scripture is coming from uh, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12 in the ESV. We'll give you a moment to find the scripture. Uh, If you have a a Bible or a Bible app, you can look that up. Uh, But we'll also project it up here. Um, Again, it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And I'll I'll be reading that for us uh, right now. Again, it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we are continuing our uh, sermon series, Firm Foundation, and we've been starting in Genesis talking about uh, how God is the source of all life a couple weeks ago. And then last week, we we talked about uh, the introduction of sin and how this has kind of uh, really messed things up for us uh, as human beings. And so in many ways, uh, if we want to build our foundation on, on Christ, we have to realize that our existing foundation has cracks in it. Our existing foundation has problems, and we have to uproot that foundation before we can build our foundation properly. And so we're going to be uh, going into the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, That's a very familiar story, uh, maybe for a lot of us, but um, I want us to read this story in a way where we're going to figure out something fundamental about sin, uh, how sin works, and uh, what are the problems with sin. And uh, by kind of the, the way I want to talk about this is, um, you ever see that Snickers commercial? Um, it, there's a whole bunch of these. Uh, but the idea is that w- when you're hungry, you know, I guess like people get like hangry, <laughs> hungry and angry at the same time. And basically the idea is that you like kind of like literally become a different person. And so the way that they do this is they'll get like a celebrity that like somebody changes into, you know, is usually like an angry celebrity or like a sarcastic celebrity or whatever. And then someone will go up to that person and be like, dude, eat a Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry, right? And they eat the Snickers and then they turn back to themselves and they're like, thank you. <laughs> and they're not mad anymore. And, you know, it, it's kind of a funny commercial, but 
Have you ever noticed that there are times when you do not seem yourself? And this, in many ways, I think is a little contrary to, I think, the way we normally think about ourselves. We think about ourselves as just being one person all the time, you know? And usually, in in many ways, we think we're very rational, you know? Um, I I, I can make these decisions, and, you know, if I want to do something, I'll do it. If I don't want to do something, I won't do it. And, you know, the, the problem with this is that there are many times where it seems as if something takes over us. We can't quite control the way we are, the way we act. I wish we could. Have you ever had an issue or a problem with, like, anger? You know, you're just so angry all the time, and, and, and it, it, it's not like you can just stop. You know, or you're really stressed. You're really anxious. You're depressed. And, and I wish it was as easy as you just make a decision. This is kind of the myth we're told about ourselves, that we are these very rational animals that can kind of just choose the way that we feel, right? And, and oftentimes the way we talk to people when they are in distress or when they're in one of these states where they're like really angry, we talk to them as if they could just change it if they wanted to, right? Like, like have you ever had someone who's like, really agitated or really angry, and you go to them, and you're like, yo, calm down. Does that ever work? (laughs) They ever like, oh, I never thought of that. Thank you for telling me that. Because you said that, I I will calm down. I'm going to listen to what you said. Right? Or maybe you're really depressed. Has anyone ever gone up to you and been like, yo, cheer up? And you're like, thanks, man. (laughs) I'm all cheered. Thanks to you and your word, I just was able to follow it and listen to it. It doesn't work that way. In many ways, we seem to be somewhat prisoners to our state of being at a given time. And what the Snickers commercial is saying is that you kind of seem like you are a different person. Is, Is that true? You know, so maybe it's not just that there's a behavior you have to tweak, like, hey, you just need to calm down, you know? Or you just need to cheer up. But maybe who you are, at least in that moment, is different. That idea of, of, of you know, who we are and that it can actually change, um, that's actually pretty similar to the biblical narrative and the way it talks about sin. So let's dive in here. Let's take a look. Um, I, I want to say that maybe some of you are like, Pastor Steve, this sounds kind of weird. What do you mean I'm not myself? You know, it's just a Snickers commercial, man. Calm down. <laughs> there, there, there's that phrase again, calm down. No, I won't calm down. But, yeah, you know, maybe for some of us, we think we have more control than we think we do. But I just want you to keep an open mind. Let's look at this narrative and you know, maybe I can try to show you <laughs> the nature of sin that we see here. Uh, so, yeah, let's keep an open mind. So now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Uh, so we know that Cain and Abel, they're uh, Adam and Eve's sons, right? Uh, by the way, we think that Adam and Eve probably had more children, right? 
did God not say, be fruitful and multiply, right? They, they probably had more than two kids. Uh, we, we find out at the end of the story, there's probably more people hanging around. But we just hear about Cain and Abel. Perhaps they're the first. Uh, we're not really sure, but probably. Um, but so, you know, Cain is, they have different pr- pr- professions. Cain is a, a farmer and Abel uh, is a sheep herder. But we're told that when they come and bring this offering, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Uh, so there's a couple things here that I wanted to note. Um, for one, why did God reject Cain's offering but accept Abel's offering? We're not completely sure. Uh, there's some clues here. Um, you know, some people are like, well, is it just that God likes meat better than, than grain? Uh, but it, it, it does seem that perhaps there's something having to do with uh, Abel bringing the firstborn of his flock and, and of their fatty portions, which is the best part, right? Like, like if you get a steak and, you know, it's just too lean, it, it's not that good, but you get a little fatty portions on it, right? Not too much fat, but just enough, like, that's the good stuff, like the fatty tuna, right? Um, so, you know, Abel brings the good stuff, the best part of this sheep. And so, um, you know, there, there might be, or whatever his flock is, I'm, I'm assuming it's sheep, but it could be something else. Uh, and, and so, th- this idea that, that giving God your best, and it doesn't tell us what uh, offering... Cain brings, but maybe, you know, the, the, the way that I've heard this is that maybe Cain just brought any old offering. He just was like, hey, there's some grain here. Good enough, you know? We don't know that for sure, right? But it does seem that God sees something in Cain's heart, right? So, you know, no matter what it is, there's something off. Right? And it doesn't seem to be just the gift itself that's the problem. By the way, later on, the people of Israel would give grain offerings to God. So grain isn't the problem. The problem is with Cain. But look at what happens here. The Lord says to Cain, uh, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? This is a Hebrew expression. His face fell. Um, we, we sometimes, uh, the, the Bible or the people who translate these things. Sometimes they'll write, his face was downcast. You know, like in English, we have an expression, why the long face, right? Like when you're really sad or depressed, you know? And so uh, this Hebrew expression about your face falling uh, has that same sort of connotation of being depressed. But there's something in his visage. There's something that has changed and shifted in Cain, right? And that's the part that I want to point out. Right? It's not just that Cain is just a, a, a little peeved, you know, he, he, he's, he's a little bit sad. But there's something in his state of being that has shifted and changed. His face fell, and it stays there. And God's like, why has your face fallen, right? We got to do something about that. And so here we see, he, uh, God says to him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? I know the ESV, the, the translators, they're trying to help us out. They actually don't literally translate the phrase here. They're giving you a, a, a little bit of an interpretation. The Hebrew phrase here, and in your Bible, uh, if you have an ESV, they'll, they'll tell you in, in the footnotes 
what the literal Hebrew says. And the literal Hebrew says, will there not be a lifting up of your face? Again, that's a Hebrew expression and one that we're not that familiar with. But if, if if you pay attention to scripture, it's a phrase that repeats itself a lot. So remember, we're told Cain is mad, right? He's kind of mad that that his gift got rejected, so his face falls. And God says, why has your face fallen? And then he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Will there not be a lifting up of your face? Uh, One of the things I like to do is I like to bless people, and I use the Aaronic blessing that comes in Numbers 6, uh, 24 through 26. And part of that blessing, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face towards you and give you peace. Right? It's the same phrase. It's the same root word in Hebrew, the lifting up of the face. It is a word of blessing. But the blessing is the blessing of God's presence. It's almost as if what happens in this moment, it, like, like just imagine, you know, God wanted to be with us face to face, right? But what happens when Cain sins, when he lets his anger take over? What happens? His face falls, right? He's not facing God anymore. The, the, the sign of blessing that we're, heard, that, that we're told in the Aaronic blessing is God lifts up his face to us. We are with God face to face. It's, it's a very intimate thing. Are, have you ever been face to face with somebody and just looked at them straight into their eyes? It's very intimate, right? Would any of you like to do that right now, right? It's intimate, right? You're like, whoa, too much, too much, right? But this is the kind of relationship that we can have with God, right? But sin does something to break that. So uh, in Greek, the word sin is harmatia, which is an archery term. And, and what it means is to miss the mark. And so the idea of sin is it's not just doing a bad thing. I know there's that connotation. And in some ways, yes, that, that, that is a part of it. But it's more than that. It's the state of being off, right? That, that if, if harmatia, like re- remember what he's saying, if you do well, right? If you do the right thing, if you are aligned with my will, then Will there not be a lifting up of your face? We will be in right relationship with each other. But when we don't do well, right, when we're doing things that are off, then we become off from God, right? Our relationship falls off. Our faces fall. We become in many ways a different person. I'm going to try to convince you. Maybe you're not convinced yet. But remember who we are meant to be, who you have been created to be. What is the one thing that we are told about the nature of human beings when God created us? We are created in the image of God. We are created to be like God. And when we are in right relationship with God, right, the problem is that we disobeyed and then our relationship falls off from God. We cannot see the face of our Father anymore. We cannot see the face that we are supposed to resemble, that we are supposed to be like. And we are no longer that way anymore in sin, right? 
And so, you know, God goes on to say, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. The Hebrew here is, its desire is towards you, but you must rule over it. And so this is very interesting because it talks about sin as something that is apart from who you normally are, right? Sin is crouching at your door. It is contrary to you, right? Its desire is towards you. It's trying to pull you into something. But the sin is not you. I want to be very clear about that. The sin is not you. God did not create you to sin. Right? This is an aberration. This was not God's original intent. And in many ways, when we are in sin, let's just take the anger example. And if you ever get like so mad that like, you know, you wanted to do something that just just made no sense. You wanted to hurt someone. You know, there are times when I'm in the car, I, I've had many, many issues with road rage. <laughs> There are so many sermon illustrations of Pastor Steve's road rage. And there are times where I get this very distinct thought when I'm like really angry. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm going to ram this dude. I'm going to ram this person in front of me with my car. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, you know? What does that accomplish? Just because you cut me off or you inconvenienced me for 10 seconds, I'm going to ram you with my car? and probably go to jail, or total my car, ruin somebody's life, ruin my own life? For what? For what? It doesn't make sense. There's something off about that, right? And in many ways, also, you ever see someone, like, really angry, you know? And then, I don't know, maybe, like, your friend meets another friend, and they just happen to be, like, in in a mood, you know? And they're just, like all pissed off and just all ragey and whatever. And you say to your friend later, you're like, yo, yo, I don't know what's going on with him today. He wasn't himself today. He wasn't himself today. Sin is crouching at your door. It's not you. But it wants to come in and it wants to do something. What does it say? Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Sin wants to come in, and it wants to rule you. It wants to take over you, right? The language that we use oftentimes when we speak of sin, and also when we speak of being able to do well, be righteous, is the language of spirits. I want to demystify this a little bit. I know sometimes we think about spirits and we're like, oh, I don't know about this. The spiritual stuff, it just sounds so like, you know, it's a very like, ooh, like a spirit takes over you, right? Like you see this a lot in scripture. You know, there's stories about um, a a spirit, an evil spirit will uh, come into a person, will take them over and then like throw them on the ground or hurt them in some way, you know, and make them hurt themselves, right? Which again, makes no sense. Why would you want to hurt yourself? It's because the spirit took over, right? And, and this, this idea of the spirit is something takes over you, and then now you can't help. You, you can't help doing what that spirit wants you to do. I think there are many kind of spirits like this. You know, um, spirit of anger is one we see here. 
I think there's a spirit of anxiety, spirit of fear, spirit of depression. You know, these sorts of things. You know, have you ever seen somebody who's just stuck in a state? You know, and we want them to snap out of it. Snap out of it, cheer up, calm down, whatever. It doesn't work because we don't understand how spirits work. We don't understand that in many ways that spirit is in control, right? Speaking of my road rage, there was one time where I was so angry. It was uh, when I, this was many years ago when I was serving two churches. I was serving LGM and another church in Ipsy at the same time. And something had happened in the first service uh, that just really set me off. And it's one of those things where, like, Pastor Steve has to be, like, nice and proper in front of people. But I, when I got in my car and I started thinking about the thing that happened, I just got angrier and angrier. And the thing is, while it was happening, I was like, calm down, Steve. Calm down, right? You're about to go and preach a second service, right? You know, this is no way for a pastor to act. Stop it. And the more I tried to hold it down, it actually kept getting worse, right? I'm like... I can't stop it. And before I knew it, I was hitting the steering wheel so hard. I was punching my steering wheel. And I seriously punched it so hard, the thing that made me stop was I thought I broke my hand. And then I felt really, really foolish. I was like, dude, I'm going to like be preaching in the next service with a broken hand. You know, people are going to be like, Pastor Steve, what happened to your hand? It's all purple. You're like, yeah. I got so insanely mad, I was punching my steering wheel. What is that? It's like something takes over you, right? I mean, you know, maybe some of you are like, oh, okay, Pastor Steve, anger I get, but some of this other stuff, really? You think it's like a spirit that takes over you? So I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, during the announcements that um, I, I've had issues with depression and anxiety. I could talk about either, but let me just tell you a little bit about the anxiety. Um, so about almost two years ago, um, it was the beginning of 2019, there's something that happened. I, I, I won't get into the details of it, but um, to this day, we don't really know. Well, the one thing I do know is that um, a few days before it happened, it was actually two days before it happened, I was speaking at a youth retreat, and I was praying over kids, and a lot of them had anxiety and depression and a lot of issues, and I'm laying my hands on these kids and praying for them. I don't know. I don't know if there's some kind of transference that happens. Uh, some of my pastor friends tell me that's, that's, it's pretty common. I, I had no idea about any of that stuff. But all I know is two days later, um, I start feeling like I can't breathe. And um, I start having these panic attacks because I, f- I feel like I can't breathe. And when I feel like I can't breathe, I get more panicky. And when I feel more panicky, I feel like I can't breathe even more. I went to see doctors. Um, I, I was, uh, you know, they got me on meds. I went to see uh, therapists and all this stuff. And, and it went on for months. But the, the thing I want to point out is when I was uh, in this period of time, it wasn't just like I'm anxious. I mean, yeah, you know, I was anxious. But it was almost like, that anxiety just took over me. It affected everything. And so it started with my breath, feeling like I couldn't breathe, but I was literally anxious about just about anything and everything. I got really weird about my teeth. 
like, like I was like really anxious that um, I was going to have tooth pain, um, that, that my teeth were going to rot. So I, I got like really crazy about brushing my teeth really carefully. I got really weird about light. You can ask Aaron about this. I was so weird about light. Like when we're eating, like like Aaron just wanted privacy, so she drew the blinds, which we would do on many occasions. But I'd be like, Aaron, can can you not do that? Can can you just leave the the blinds open so we can get sunlight in? Because I was thinking, like, if I don't get enough sunlight, then I'm gonna be even more anxious, right? Not a lot of this stuff was very rational. I, I got so anxious once. I've never done this before. We were in a family group Bible study, and I interrupted the leader. This is a true story. You can ask Jason. I'm, or anyone who's in that group. I interrupted the leader and was like, hey, can we just stop? Can we just stop right now? Um, I, I, like, like, is it stuffy in here? Is anyone? Is, and, and I stopped the Bible. So I've never done that before. It's almost like I wasn't myself. Now that I'm not in anxiety, praise God, right? It, 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 it's almost like that cloud got lifted, Right? And, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of things, like my teeth, I'm not weird about that anymore. The sunlight thing doesn't bother me. We have, like, really long Bible studies sometimes. Like, I never interrupt the leader, right? So, brothers and sisters, it's not just an issue of, hey, change your behavior. Stop being so anxious, right? It's not just an issue of your willpower. And so, I, it, this is the hope I want to give you. Because it, for many of us, we've tried that. We've tried to cheer ourselves up. We've tried to stop being anxious. We've tried to think better thoughts. We've tried to just use sheer willpower, and it doesn't work. And yeah, it doesn't work because there is something that in a way has kind of changed who you are. Now, by the way, you can change back. Right? And for many people, you know, it, it may not be a, a great pall of anxiety, like, like a shadow that's just hanging over you for months. For some people, you know, may, maybe you, you get like in a funk. Have you ever had that? Like it, it's like a good solid two weeks, you're just in a funk. And you're like a different person, you know? Or, or, or have you ever been in a rage, you know? And, and the funny thing is like you treat people in a way that you would never normally treat somebody. You ever been so angry? There's times where I'd be so angry and I'm at the, the, the grocery store and I'm getting angry about everything. And every person in my way, I'm like, you're stupid. Like, what's wrong with you? Get out of my face. And, and you know, I'm like yelling at the, the machine, the automatic machine, because it won't take my credit card right away. And I'm like, what's wrong with this stupid machine? And it's like, it's so insane. You know, and there's a moment where I can step back from that and I'm like, Dude, I would never talk to people that way. You're stupid. Get out of my way. I would never talk to people that way. Normally. But I'm not myself. Actually, what they're finding is uh, there's some uh, researchers, scientists, neuroscience people. They actually, you know, are, are starting to back this up. It's a theory. But what they think is your mind isn't like a CEO. That's what most of us think. We think our brain, like we're like a CEO, just kind of making decisions like, hey, okay, right now I want to go do my homework or I want to go work out or I'm going to go talk to that person or I'm, you know, right now I'm going to go to my happy place. And we think we have these con- this control over ourselves, right? But, but this is a, a little bit of a thought experiment. But seriously, just try to be still 
for like five minutes. What happens to your mind? What happens? You will probably start thinking and feeling things automatically. Automatically. Right? There's no CEO at work. The CEO is on vacation. <laughs> right? And there, have there ever been times where you think about something and you're like, seriously, why can't I stop thinking about this? It's an illusion, that idea that we're the CEO and we're in charge and we can control what we think and feel. The science doesn't back it up. Your experience doesn't back it up. And for many of us, we feel like, like we're weak or there's something wrong with us. And I'm here to tell you, you're just human. But what they think is that the mind is not like one central thinking thing, but there's actually competing things. So there's different ways to talk about it. Um, but some people talk about different modalities of the mind, right? So, so this is the, the modal theory of the mind. So you have these different uh, modules that are, are going in place at different times. So you could have an anxiety module. You could have, hey, let's go talk to that girl module, right? Uh, you could have a module that's really focused on what other people think about you at that moment, right? And what people think is that these modules are competing for control at any given time. That is why when you're sitting down and you're still, that sometimes the thoughts will come in and they just kind of keep shifting, right? And what they think is that the, these different modules are kind of trying to take control. It's like a competition. They're trying to get attention you know, at any given moment, you know? And a lot of this is automatic. There are triggers, right? And so maybe for some of us, you know, your anger module gets triggered by certain things, certain slights, right? And, and you'll probably notice this. When you get really angry about something, when something really sets you off, there's no thought involved. You don't think to yourself, hey, wait a minute, they said this. Let's think about this. Do we want to get angry? Yes, we want to get angry. Get angry. That's not how it happens. Someone says something and just angry. It just comes out. The module gets activated. By the way, advertisers actually know how to tweak this. <laughs> I told you about the let's go talk to that girl module, right? So we have these different modules, and they can be set off even without you knowing it. Advertisers know this. And so they know that for men... Uh, if they see a pretty woman, like like very attractive female, their let's acquire a mate module will go off. And a part of this module is this idea that we are not concerned about the future. We're much more likely to spend money. That is why any, just about any product for men, there's always a really attractive woman, right? Now, rationally, you can be like, that person is a model, I am never going to meet that person. I never have a chance to marry that person. It doesn't make sense. Why would I want to impress that person? It doesn't matter. It's not about that. The module has gone off, and now you're in, you know, acquire a mate mode, or whatever the case may be, right? And, and so all of this is to say, brothers and sisters, that when these things are happening to us, right, there are ways that we can kind of mitigate this. We, we can sort of leverage this or, or at least learn to, to deal with it. And so one of the ways is even in the anger. So uh, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, it says, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So uh, in, in the NIV, uh, they say, in your anger, do not sin. The ESV is a little more direct. They, they say, be angry and do not sin, which, by the way, is just to acknowledge everyone gets angry, right? But when you are angry, don't sin. In, in, in that sense of when you are angry, you're a different person. And when you talk to people, it's going to come out different, right? You know, if you weren't angry and you talk to that person, you might be able, to be able to be very rational. Maybe you wouldn't sin. But when you're really angry, things are going to come out different, right? Now, uh, uh, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil, right? And the idea of give an opportunity to the devil is, you know, what are you going to do while you're in that anger stage, you know, are you giving the devil opportunities to seize more hold of you? Because this is the thing. With these different modules, right, with these different things going on, the more you indulge it, the stronger it gets. There's that old kind of like, like uh, uh, metaphor that high school coaches like to use when they talk to, um, you know, like football players or athletes or whatever. And they're like, you know, we all have two wolves, Right? So one is like the hard-working wolf, right? and one's like the lazy wolf. Right? And, and these two wolves are kind of fighting for control. You know? uh, and which wolf is going to win? Anyone heard this metaphor before? Which wolf is going to win? The one you feed. Right? So if you feed, uh, this is you know, for the, the high school football thing, right? If you feed the hard-working wolf, then that wolf will get bigger, right? The disciplined wolf will get bigger, you know? And you want to starve the lazy wolf. But, you know, the idea of if you feed your anger, it does get greater, right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your anger, which was a moment, become a season. That's what it's saying, right? So if you let your sun go down on your anger and you wake up the next morning and you're angry and that anger is still there, it, it, it just kind of clouds everything, right? There are people who have angry seasons, angry months, angry years. There are people who have uh, angry lifetime, <laughs> I believe. And, um, you know, so this, 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 I, I, well, yeah, I did want to say, uh, by the way, just a practical application of this. Um, if any of you have, uh, you know, like a significant other or even like your family, um, I just want to say, when you are angry, it is the worst time to get in an argument. Worst time, right? Why? Because of every, everything we just said, right? Things are going to come out wrong, <laughs> right? Your anger is in control. Now, that kind of seems counterintuitive because you're like, Pastor Steve, when else would we have an argument, <laughs> right? We're in an argument because we're angry. Yeah, I know. But instead of an argument, it could be a fruitful discussion. It could be you just plainly telling them, hey, this is how I was hurt. But that ain't going to happen when you're angry, right? Have you ever got in a fight with someone you love and you said things that you absolutely regret? And you said things that you don't actually mean. Sometimes we get that twisted and we're like, no, no, you really meant that or you wouldn't have said it. No. No, that's not the case, because you were literally a different person, right? So (laughs) 
Do not let your, the sun go down on your anger. This is why forgiveness is so important, right? Letting go of that, not holding on to that. But at the same time, you know, sometimes we have to figure out, then how do we snap out of it? How do we get out of that phase where we are uh, in this sort of sin? Um, Before we talk about that, I I just want to just kind of raise the stakes a little bit. What is at stake here? Because what ends up happening to, to, to Cain is that Cain doesn't listen to God. He lets the sin in. He lets the anger in. It takes over him. And then he does something that, you know, we're not told in the narrative, but I'm pretty sure Cain probably regrets what happened. But in his anger, he speaks to his brother and he kills him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? This is one of the most famous uh, phrases in, in, in Scripture. Am I my brother's keeper? So, friends, what's happened here is sin has completely changed the way that we look at uh, fellow human beings, right? So, am I, brother's, am I my brother's keeper? What's implied in that is, you know what? God, I'm just going to look out for myself. You know, this is not the will of God, right? And, and when we're talking about building our foundation on who God is, God is in and of himself relational and generous. God didn't just look at the world and be like, hey, it's God time, right? Like, I'm just going to enjoy this all for me. No, he gave of himself. He created other beings to share his life with. And he's continually giving to us. That's one of the core truths of Christianity, is that God gave his one and only son for us to solve this problem of sin, right? That is who God is. And even that, we twist it, and we make it something just for us. Christianity, oftentimes in modern times, has become, how do I get to heaven? Hey, forget all of you. I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus and that's all I need, right? But that's not what Jesus was primarily concerned about. Jesus was not primarily, primarily concerned about saving you as an individual so you can go and enjoy eternity forever. He was concerned with a kingdom, with a people, with saving everybody. And so the answer to that, am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely you are. But this is one of the things that sin does, is it shrinks us. It makes us so concerned with the object of whatever that module is obsessed with. I'll tell you, when I was in anxiety, I became a very selfish person. Because all I was concerned about was getting rid of this anxiety, getting rid of this constant threat that I was feeling that had no shape, that had no real object, and that's why I was afraid of everything. But I'd interrupt the Bible study and everyone else's Bible study just to make myself feel better. Right? And brothers and sisters, instead of feeling bad about that, you like, stop being anxious. We have to figure out that. How do we live by a different spirit? 
Because if the question is of spirits, then we need a new and better spirit. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 7. So Romans 7, um, you're going to see some of the same phraseology that you see in Genesis 4. It says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Remember the way that God uh, warned Cain. He said, sin is crouching at your door. Evil lies close at hand. That thing is already within you, waiting to be awakened, right? And and so we want to do well. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, I see in my body, I see in myself another law, another principle, waging war against the law of my mind, against what I want to do, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, right? That idea that that sin takes over you. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This idea that we are kind of taken over, right? And and yes, we are powerless to it. That's part of the lesson, right? We would like to think that we are like gods, that we are able to control ourselves, that we are able to choose how we feel, choose what we're going to think about, choose to break out of these sinful modes It don't work that way. You know what you need to do? You need to confess that you're powerless. And what you need is a better spirit. There's a story in Luke, uh, Jesus telling a parable about spirits. And he says that uh, when when an unclean spirit leaves a man, uh, that, that, you know, the man might be relieved and like, oh, sweet, this is great. But that spirit will go around and not find anywhere to go And so it'll come back to the man and be like, oh, hey, everything's nice and swept for me. It's nice and empty. I'm going to come back into this man. And then Jesus actually says it'll bring along with it seven other spirits. And the case, the condition of the man will be worse than the first. What is that about, right? So if you don't replace a spirit, another spirit will come. Has there ever been a time where you stop being anxious and you're like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> Not anxious anymore. Well, I have peace and calm. Something else is going to come. Something else always comes, right? Something else is going to fill the void. Until what? A better spirit comes. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what we're going to find out in Romans 8, which we won't get into today, But the idea is that we are no longer led by the flesh, led by our bodies, led by these different modules of sin, but we become led by what? The Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need to let in the Holy Spirit. That's how you win. That's how you overcome sin. Right? But the way you do that is... is, you, you got to be open. You got to let them in. This is why I emphasize so much prayer that is about just being still. You know, being still to, to let God work in your life. Because this is the thing. We hate being still. And by we, I mean the sin that lives within me hates being still. The modules, <laughs> the spirits, whatever you want to call it, they hate being still. 
when they can keep you on the run, when they can keep you busy and preoccupied, when they can keep you stressed and anxious, then you will keep turning to them. You will keep giving them free reign. Hey, you need us. Look how busy we are. Look how stressed we are. And we're like, okay, anxiety take over. We don't mean to do it, but that's what ends up happening. It just automatically happens. You know what anxiety can't stand? is being still. Now remember, stillness in and of itself doesn't do any good. I, I know, you know, people like talking about like mindfulness and all this stuff, and I'm not saying that stuff is bad. But I also know this. If you're just still, something else is going to come for you, right? Unless you can replace it. So in prayer, you're not just being still for the sake of being still. You're being still so that you can invite a better spirit. So you can invite the Holy Spirit, right? Otherwise, you're just, you know, having some, a, a, a quiet, you know, moment of reprieve. You're, you're just resting, you know? You're just meditating or whatever. It's not prayer unless you invite the Holy Spirit, right? And so what we need to do is just let, let the module calm down in a way, right? Like, like let that spirit sort of not feed it in any way, but instead invites and welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, Right? And for me, this was one of the main things that I've learned to do when I was, when, when I've been, you know, just consumed by anger or anxiety. It's one of the things I've had to do is just discipline myself every day. Every day, I'll just be in the presence of the Lord for 20 minutes, just being still. And my one prayer is just Jesus. Jesus, you are welcome here. Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's it. That's it. That's my one prayer. I don't need to pray lots of words. I don't need to be the one to make it all go away. I don't need to use my willpower to overpower the anxiety. It doesn't work that way. There is only one spirit that's strong enough to overpower all other spirits, and it is the Holy Spirit, the spirit that is set apart. It is the great spirit. And if I can get that spirit in me, God will will win the victory for me. That's the good news we have. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up here. Man, there's so much good stuff here. I mean, we could go on and on, but I just feel like in this moment, I just want to practice that. Let's just be still before the Lord. And when you guys are ready, you guys can start just playing some, you know. uh, Jason, you can just start playing some guitar if you want. But let's just take a moment to be still. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that's more complicated than I'm making it seem. I mean, a lot of times we can't even tell that these modules are going off or that, you know, that a spirit is sort of in the driver's seat. It just kind of happens, right? Um, but in many ways, for us to just continually just come before, come before God, in a spirit of surrender. I mean, sort of the, 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 the primary sin of human beings is thinking that, that we can control our lives. Ah, Pastor Steve, I don't need to do that. 
you know, maybe for some people are super anxious or, you know, they, they got some crazy mental health problems. You know, but I got this. I'm strong of mind. I got a strong will. Friends, it's just a different delusion. It's just a different spirit that is in charge. And sometimes I think that spirit is arrogance. And sometimes I think that's the thing we need to repent of, thinking that we can do this without God. So let's just confess. Let's just take a moment. You know, and just to simply say, I cannot be the God of my life. My will is not strong enough to lead me into righteousness. I'm not as free as I like to think. God, we need you. God, we need you. And in confessing that, can we just take a moment in obedience, aligning with the Spirit of Christ, saying, we are here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. Holy Spirit, lead. Spirit, lead us. God, we confess that we are not God. We can't guide our lives and choose the good for ourselves apart from you. Oh, Lord, we've tried. We've tried to master ourselves and master these spirits that so often plague us and take over us. But God, we want to confess to you, Lord, that we cannot do it without you. We want to abdicate the throne of our lives and to welcome your Holy Spirit. Oh God, in your graciousness, may you pour out your Holy Spirit to all of us and fill us and lead us. May it not just be an emotional moment that we experience when we're in worship or in those moments when everything is calm and we're in that mood. But we pray, God, for the leading of your Holy Spirit every day, in every moment. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you again. Come and take your place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.